You're listening to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday afternoon. Since it's Wednesday, we'd like to focus on wellness and medicine. So let's turn to our very first topic and guest of today. In the next 20 minutes or so, we're talking about fallopian tubes and reproductive health with Dr. Ellen Loy, who is a specialist in obstetrics and gynecology and also an honorary clinical assistant professor at the University of Hong Kong. Welcome to the, pro- uh, to the program, Dr. Loy. Thank you so much for joining us. Us. Welcome. Um, so this afternoon we're talking about fallopian tubes. Yes. I'm sure many of our listeners have heard of these little tubes inside the female body, but I'm not sure if so many of us know the role of them. So can you start off by uh, telling us the role of fallopian tubes? Okay, so fallopian tube actually as a bridge between um, the ovaries and also between the womb. So it is where the eggs and also the sperm will meet and where they will get the egg will get fertilized and where the embryos will form. And so it is one of the very essential parts if we're talking about fertility and having a baby. So I've heard that um, fallopian tubes health is really important when it comes to reproduction yeah. because it's essential. It's the vessel which carries the, the, the egg, as you mentioned. Can you share, share with us some of the problems um, or, or, or blockages that the fallopian tubes can, can, can experience? Okay, so we are talking about actually one-fourth of the people they suffer from infertility actually have some problem with their tubes. Because the tubes are lost, so you can imagine that the eggs and also the sperm don't have a chance actually to meet and to fertilize to form a babies. And um, some of the common causes of the tubal blockage, including endometriosis, or some people would call it um, chocolate cysts. Um, some people may have heard about it. And then the other risk factor for having a tubal blockage would be having a history of pelvic infections before or any abdominal or any pelvic surgery, even like surgery for appendicitis. And there may be some scarrings or some adhesions forming after the surgeries, which block the tube. Yeah, with endometriosis, what are some of the symptoms for some of our listeners listening? Um, it's extremely painful when you, uh, some, of, some people experience extreme pain when they have their period. Uh, what are the symptoms associated with that? Yeah, so um, that's true that pain is actually one of the most common symptoms uh, for endometriosis. People will ha- experience pain during the menstruations. They, they sometimes have pain even during defecations or during going to the toilets as well. And wow, we do have... so serious. Yes, wow. we do have women, they even have pain during sex. But then one of the problems with endometriosis and pain is actually the symptoms, the pain symptoms and the severity, it doesn't correlate. So we do have women have no pain at all, but they have got very severe disease and a very blocked tube. But we have got women with severe pain, but at the end of the day, they only have very, very mild disease. Yeah, and and I've heard. I mean, I, I've I've known people before. I remember I went to school w- w- with a young lady who turned out to have endometriosis, but really, she, for just two weeks a month, she was having very he- heavy period and very severe back pain. Yeah. And so then later on in life, in her thirties, then she was diagnosed. But a lot of the times, it's people don't know the, what they're experiencing until yes. much later on in life. Yes, because um, that is also one of the issues of endometriosis is actually have a very long delayed diagnosis. Some studies do say that the delay of diagnosis can up to 8 to 12 years as well. So 
that is one of the things that we suggest couples or women actually, if they do have any issues or any worries in terms of like having severe menstrual cramp or if they have difficulty having a babies, then they should actually go for a checkup early rather than to wait until really this, the problems really get very worse or um, at the very, very late stage. Yeah, so you mentioned also scarring can also uh, block the fallopian tubes. Yes. Um, are there ways we can prevent these blockages? Um, unfortunately, we didn't have very good ways to prevent it. Like, because sometimes the surgeries, it may be essential, like for appendicitis, we really can't avoid it. And um, like some pelvic infections, it can be quite unavoidable. Of course, we are talking about having safe sex using condoms. It can prevent the chance of having a um, sexually transmitted illnesses. And oh, yeah, STIs can yes, also cause, oh, cause yeah. Yeah, a tubal blockage. But then for endometriosis, there's nothing we can prevent it actually, because even talking about the causes of endometriosis, we don't have a clear idea um, from our medical point of view as well. Yeah. Can you tell when your fallopian tubes um, are blocked? Are there any symptoms? Do people experience pain or how can people get diagnosed? So most of the time, um, the problem is um, people feel nothing at all because um, some people may have some very mild cramps, but it is usually not to the extent that they will go to see a doctor. A doctor yeah. Yes, only uh, most of the time they will come to see us when they have a problems having a babies. So yeah, with fertility, when they try for up to a year and without any news at all, then they will come to see a doctor. But then for some women, if they have got risk factor, we are talking about if they really have history of perfect infection before, or have any history of any tummy surgeries before, then we advise them actually to come for a checkup early on. Because just based on the symptoms, um, we can't really diagnose um, a tubal blockage until we go for some very specific tests. Yeah. Well, you mentioned some uh, pretty shocking statistic that 25% yes. of, of people who try to have babies or, or infertility is because of these blocked tubes. Yes. So there are a pair of fallopian tubes. Um, if if one side is blocked, is it likely the other? Will it affect the function of the other side? H how does it work? So most of the time, the problem is if uh, because for when we're talking about looking back at the causes of the tubal blockage, and most of the time it just causes blockage of both tubes. Like for example, history of surgery, history of infection, endometriosis. It is it not a selective. Effect. Yeah, it's not a selective disease that affects on one tube. And that's the reason why most of the women, um, they, at the end of the day, have both tubes being blocked or being diseased as well. Yeah. So what, what happens if you only have one fallopian tube? Uh, yeah. how, how might that affect your chances of uh, getting pregnant? So we are talking about if you only have one tube, then your chance of having a baby actually reduced by 20 to 30%. Wow. And um, although it is not up to 50 because some people will think I've got two. Oh, yeah. One is blocked, uh, one is normal, then probably my chances are reduced by half. But from statistics, we know it is only reduced by 20 to 30 percent because we do have some data suggesting that actually the eggs will can go through the other normal tube um, in order to uh, get fertilized and become a babies as well. Oh, yeah, uh, that was my next question. So the eggs know to move to the, the working fallopian tube yes. rather than the 
than the blocked one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, clever. Because uh, actually what we do know is actually the tube, the ending of the tube, they will secrete some chemicals which can attract the eggs to go through the tube. So only normal tubes will secrete that kind of chemicals. And that make that is one of the hypotheses that we are, say, we are um, suggesting why the chance of having a baby only reduced by 20 to 30, but not by 50% even after having one tube removed or yeah. one tube being blocked. So what happens when people have blocked tubes? Are there procedures where they can unblock these tubes? And how successful um, are, is the unblocking of, of the tubes? Yeah, so talking about unblocking the tubes, uh, usually women need to go for a surgery. We are talking about a keyhole surgeries, keyhole surgery. yeah, with um, several, um, one like one holes in the belly buttons and two to three smaller holes in the lower part of your, your tummy. And we put in some instrument. What we are going to do is actually to make a new opening at the tube in order to make the tube patents again. Oh, okay. But then the problem with um, that is firstly, it involves surgeries. We, we need to put you under general anesthesia. We need to put you under sleep. Um, the general risks of the any surgeries like infection, bleeding, um, or the risks that applied as well. And then the other thing is that we do worry is um, sometimes um, we are talking about um, the surgery itself may not be successful because for a severely damaged tube, even after we make a, another new openings, the tube may still not be patent, especially for those with very severe disease with multiple adhesion sites. And then the other thing is uh, we are talking about your chance of having a baby even after um, the surgeries of making a hole in the tubes is um, in one year, only 20%. And when talking about for two years, is around 25%. And so um, for the surgery to make an opening of the tube, we only usually apply it to very selective cases. We are talking about those women, what we call with good prognostic factors, like, for example, they have got um, more mild disease and those younger women, because we all know that like have fertility is chance to, yes, yeah. closely related to age. Like if we're talking about a woman over 40 years old, we don't think it is reasonable for them actually to try to have the surgery and to try to conceive naturally for another year before um, going through IVF. other yes yeah. other ways to have a baby. Wow, Dr. Lo, it's such an emotional topic because you know h how do women and and uh, partners, men as well, handle that sort of prognosis when yeah. when they you know w when there's so little that they can do when the prognosis aren't good that even by unblocking the chances of getting pregnant it, yeah. it is quite low. Yeah. Um, what about uh, fallopian tubes? Can they have multiple blockages? So the, the same tube with multiple blockages and then do, can you um, unblock them with one surgery in one go? So we are talking about um, some of the tubes, they really can have multiple blockages. Yeah. And so in that case, it's usually what we actually recommend is to just to go for IVF directly. If we are talking about having a baby. Yeah. Because a blocked tube is not a 
like other diseases, like for example, if you have got a cyst, if you got a polyp, then you need to go for a surgery actually to remove it. Mm. But then for a blood tip, it actually don't affect your hormonal functions. It don't affect your menstruation. The only thing that it affects is having a babies. Mm. So for women, if they only have blood tips, but they didn't have any fertility wishes, then they can just leave it alone. Okay. Just forget about it. So there are no other sort of diseases involved, uh, uh, associated yes. with the yes. blood tube? Yes, especially for those women, they uh, they didn't have any symptoms at all. And But then if you were talking about having a baby, if you have got severe like um, disease or multiple adhesions, then we know that the chance of unblocking it is quite high. So for example, like if you have got a scar, if we need to re revise the scar, we need to do another surgery, but another surgery may even cause more scar. And so that is the issues of going for surgeries if we have got multiple adhesions and multiple blockage. Yeah. And in that group of women, then sometimes we will advise them actually to go for IVF directly rather than to go through the surgery to try to unblock the tube. And at the end of the day, we didn't have a good result. But um, when we compare about the chance of having a baby with IVF, if tubal factor we are talking about is the sole factor for infertility, then she do have a very, very good chance of having a baby with IVF. Yeah, with the clients you see, with the people you see, um, do a lot of them, uh, the causes of infertility, is a lot of them linked to fallopian tube health? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And how do you how do you go about diagnosing? Is it through an ultrasound that you can see right away, or do you need an X-ray? How does it work? Okay. So we are talking about um, maybe one four, one third to one fourth of the patients yeah. actually have a collection of fluid inside the tube. We call it a hydrosolvings. If they do develop hydrosolvings, then um, we can see it on the ultrasound scan. Just a very simple, perfect ultrasound scan. We can do. We can see it. But then, however, if the blockage is not that severe to have a collection of fluid inside the tubes, then we need to go for a more um, sophisticated test in order to go for it. So um, one of the commonest, like the first line test we go for it is called HSG, um, hysterosalpingogram um, in the long form. Um, so HSG, what we are going to do is we inject some dye into the womb and then we take multiple X-ray to see whether the dye actually go through the tips to the abdomen. Oh. Um, and so if it doesn't, then if that it means doesn't, you have the blockages. Then we know the tube is being blocked. And But then the problem with going for the HSG is, um, firstly, it involves taking multiple X-ray. So it may involve a very small dose of radiation. And then it can be slightly painful procedure because sometimes the dye itself is a little bit irritative. And then it involves a small chance of infection as well. Mm. So um, the other um, newer technology that we can go for is actually called hyphosy. So for hyphosy, it is slightly different. So we inject, this time it's not some dye, it's some foam um, into the womb. And the foam can actually be visualized on ultrasound scan. So the woman then no need to go for any X-ray uh, in order to check the tubes. Oh, wow. And also with the form itself, it is less irritative than the dye. And what we know is um, it was um, less painful as has been like described by other women. It's less painful or sometimes being not painful at all. 
and then we are talking about the correlation or the accuracy, it is very, very similar to the HSG or even going for the surgery. And of course, the gold standard for checking for the tip is we go for a surgery. With a keyhole surgery, then we can have a direct visualization of the tubes. Oh, wow. I can't imagine injecting foam, though, in the body. It just sounds yeah. so much thicker than dye. Dye seems a li- little bit uh, less viscous, but foam just seems... Yeah, just foam. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, Dr. Lloyd, before I let you go, what about yes. the women who are at the end of their fertility journey? Um, yeah. We've often heard of people getting their t- their tubes tied. Yep. Is that the fallopian tubes that they're referring yes, to? Yes, yes. Yes, that's the Philippine tube they're referring to. And how invasive is that procedure? How easy is that procedure? And, and I mean, is it easy to recover from such procedure? Uh, that is actually a very easy procedure as well. We are talking about a quick keyhole surgery. It can be a day surgery. It only lasts for the surgery itself. It takes less than one hour most of the time. Oh. And um, the risk itself is quite minimal as well. So although it do involve general anesthesia and all the general um, surgery risks, but the good thing about it is it is it's a one-off procedure. Uh, so you don't need to worry about um, having contraception afterwards with a very, very good successful rate. Yeah. But nowadays we are talking about we do have other options. We have got very good coil. We have got some hormonal coils as well. We give us a very similar success rate, talking about in terms of contraception and the woman no need to go for surgery. And less invasive. Yes, less surgery, invasive yeah. and also reversible as well. Because for a tubal surgery, it is sort of an irreversible surgery. But um, if you have a coil, if you wish to have a baby, maybe a few years later, that we can rem- just remove, remove it. it. Yeah. Yes. Is it totally irreversible? Can you untie the tubes or is that an even more sort of difficult yeah, surgery? Uh, we can untie the tube and to reconnect it. But then it involves a even more complicated surgeries. And we even need to sometimes use a microscope in order to look at the tubes to do all the microsurgery we sometimes record. Exactly. Wow. Because the tube itself is actually very tiny. We are talking about the lumen of the tube itself uh, is only one to two millimeter. Wow. That's thinner than uh, the hair. Yeah. Just we're talking about the lumen itself. Yes. It is of that size. So that's why we will say it is sort of a irreversible one because even we we can go for the surgery to reconnect it, we would expect, yes, the function is not as good as before. Yeah. Wow, Dr. Lowe, I learned so much from you this afternoon. I'm sure our listeners did as well. You can revisit this interview on our Facebook page, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. Meanwhile, many thanks once again for your time this afternoon. And we've been speaking to Dr. Ellen Loy, who's a specialist in obstetrics and gynecology. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Thank you. 